I guess somebody like decided to like light their napkin on fire and, and, and like the rest of the table was like catching on fire. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. I want to talk to the manager. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do. Today, my guest is James Butler. James has been in the San Francisco bar and restaurant scene since 2007, and he's worked and managed all kinds of great spots. I got to chat with him about the challenges he's faced as a manager throughout his career. Let's get into it. You made sure that you know, people had the wine they wanted when they wanted. You you made the little problems go away and turn into like pleasant experiences. It just it's a it's a good feeling of walking through a dining room and feeling uh, a sense of ownership for the the good time that's happening at like these twenty tables that are uh, around you or or fifty depending on how big the restaurant is. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about those little problems that you make go away. I think it's almost a cliche of uh, I want to talk to the manager. Like, what do you what do you do going into that situation? You know, I, that the the I want to talk to a manager. If someone says I want to talk to a manager, I feel like you're already kind of at DefCon Five. <laughs> you know, right. I, 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 the 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 real thing is like hopefully, you know, cutting off those little problems at the at the past, way, way before they have time to snowball. Uh-huh. But, you know, restaurant floor, there's a lot going on. And yeah. you might have your eye on one problem, and there's, there's another one that's just, like, taking off and, and becoming a real problem. And, and you know, maybe uh, somebody else got involved. Maybe, you know, everybody, everybody could be on the floor and meaning well and trying to do something uh, about the issue. But there's a moment when, like, too many people kind of become involved on, on an issue, and then... The table is like, well, it just doesn't seem like anybody. There's like eight different people handling us, and like, what's what's going on here? Yeah. And you know, so th- there's when when someone says, "I want to talk to the manager," um, I think I think the first thing you have to do is get ready to go and list, like, really listen to someone. Because at that point, they're, they're ups- like their experience is not what they expected it to be, and they need to tell someone about it. Yeah. And you really have to be, I think, empathetic. Because there's, there's so many things that lead up to someone coming to dinner. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just like another shift for you or I. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's like somebody's Tuesday night with their wife, and they go out every Tuesday night, and it's like not a big deal. Or maybe there's like a bunch of stuff going on in their life that led up to this dinner and you don't have any of that information. You know, people come with like an, an emotionally loaded gun <laughs> to a restaurant sometimes and you know, when someone says I want to talk to the manager, it could be it could be really bad. You know, you could have a whole bunch of stuff going working against you before you even had a problem at the table, before you even mm-hmm. stepped up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sometimes Sometimes it's as simple as just listening, like really listening, and then I don't know, taking taking decisive action. I think with the table, uh-huh. really getting involved, and and you know, uh, restaurants are kind of a little bit of theater. You know, putting on putting on a, a bit of a show to make sure that they know you're trying hard to keep them happy at the table, to maybe get them to come back again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want to talk to the manager is it's DEF CON 5, but it's also like this could be an amazing opportunity. Mm. You know, there's like this big restaurant cliche where it's like people like your restaurant, they might, you know, tell a couple friends. People don't like your restaurant, yeah. they'll tell a bunch of friends. Right. People have a weird experience or a bad experience and you fix it and they'll want to tell everybody. I, I don't I don't have the numbers on whether that's actually yeah, true yeah. or not, but seems I, that way. I, I I think most of us in the industry can say that that that's pretty legit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you really feel like you fixed whatever was happening with someone, yeah, you know, or or with their table, you know. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it, it happened in your restaurant. Sometimes it didn't even have anything to do, yeah, with with you or or your staff or anybody. And then sometimes it's, you know, I want to talk to the manager. Do you know what's going on in this restaurant? Well, I, of course, sir. Yes, ma'am. I, I, I try to make sure I know everything that's going on in the restaurant. But if I'm missing something, by all means, tell me. Well, you're just doing a damn fine job. This is a fantastic place. Every once in a while, somebody <laughs> calls you over to talk to the manager. And they, and they really, yeah. they're actually having a good time. But I, I'd say nine times out of ten, it's, it's, the other, it's the other case. Yeah. yeah. Can you share an example of uh, one of those times where you were able to turn it around? Where it was, it was seemed like awful, and then oh man, I, you know, it was it was a really long time ago. It was probably like one of my first restaurant jobs, mm-hmm. and I was I was the floor manager at a restaurant, and um, you know, I I, f- I forget how the how this train came off the rails. I, I like I do, I don't know what happened to this table. I, I can't remember at this point, but. There, there was like this, this moment where I just decided that we needed, we needed, we needed to start over. We needed to do over. Yeah. And I couldn't wait until they came into the restaurant again. Uh-huh. So what I did is I pulled everything off of the table. Food, food that was like barely touched, but was a pro- like everything off of the table. And we started again. I started them on a completely new meal. You know, I think I opened a bottle of champagne or, you know, put wine in front of them, whatever. You know, so they had, they visually had like this completely clean table. We rebuilt the table, got everything started again. I, I kind of, I, I, of course they had already eaten some food, so they weren't, I didn't want to fill them up, but I, uh, I was like, well, we're going to, we're going to send some small versions of some appetizers that you didn't have. Um, so you get to try the rest of our menu, and then um, we're going to uh, make sure that all of your entrees are exactly how you wanted them, and perfectly to taste. And that's what we're going to do. And they were the last. They were the last table um, that actually left the restaurant that night. And I, I pretty much, I pretty much ran that table myself. So yeah. you know, you're not usually running tables as a manager, but. Um, it seems like they needed a sea change. And that meant like seeing the table completely get rebuilt, uh-huh. deal with someone else for the rest of the evening. And, um, you know, I, I can't remember if those people ever, ever did come back to the restaurant. Um, I don't think, I don't think I was working there for much longer after that event happened. Uh-huh. Um, so I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to know if they came back, but I, I really feel that everybody in the restaurant did everything possible to really just, make sure that they had the experience they wanted to have mm. when they walked in. Um, and I, that was probably the most severe, severe time I've ever 
I've ever had something experienced like that. And, and, and I, I was pretty green at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if that was entirely the right way to, to do it. I mean, as a restaurant manager, you're also trying to look out for the bottom line of your restaurant. You know, yeah. Restaurants don't have great margins. We're wasting a bunch right. of food on a table that may or may not come back and spend more money. Right. But you kind of always hope on that. You kind of you get stuck on that old cliche. Maybe if I really fix this right, these people will remember it. I'll be able to look them in the eye, shake their hands, smile genuinely as they leave and, and say, I'm glad they came in and I hope to see them back again. Mm-hmm. That's, that was, yeah, I think that was, that's the one that sticks out in my head the most, <laughs> for sure. I'm sure there was other things, but. Yeah, it's just very uh, quick thinking. Kind of outside the box, I just. You know, let's, let's start over. Yeah, let's let's, let's just totally let's physically start over. Let's physically start. It's it's funny. I, I somebody was telling me about uh you know taking the court of master sommeliers. I don't know if it was the advanced or or the master sommelier exam. And uh, you know these tests are usually proctored by industry professionals, the OGs of the wine industry. And I guess somebody like decided to like light their napkin on fire, and 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 like the rest of the table was like catching on fire. So I think th- this this. The, the the guy who was doing the wine service, or maybe like it was like they were smoking cigars at the table first. I, you know, uh-huh. there's a bunch of service stuff that happens yeah. um, on those exams that uh, that doesn't usually happen in a restaurant. And and I I think what he did is like had a back waiter set up another table, like two tables away from them, and then just like had them sit up and walk away from like a burning. I, this is a little this is a little over the top. I don't know how true this is. This is just a story that I heard. Yeah. And and uh, like I I just imagine silver. Uh, silver food covers, you know, like those classic uh, dining food covers just being put on top of things or like people with pitches of water just dumping water on top of a table as you've got these, you know, guys chuckling and smoking cigars because they just lit a table on fire in the middle <laughs> of a restaurant <laughs> to go sit down and have, oh, well, we have some champagne set up for you and ready at this other table, gentlemen. If you if you wouldn't mind getting up and um, we'll take care of this. Don't worry about that at all. Oh, that's like Monty Python material, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. They, they, it's 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 a comedy of errors sometimes. Our business, that's for sure. Yeah, that kind of coordination, I think, takes having an amazing staff that that works as a team. And I asked around on some forums about like what is the biggest problem that managers face, and pretty much everyone said staffing. Um, yeah, so I I think. I think there's two things when you say staffing. There's mm-hmm. like the physical hiring of bodies to be in the restaurant right. and the managing of the personalities that come with those bodies once they are actually working on the floor of your restaurant. Yeah. One, one of the first jobs I had, I didn't, I didn't realize it, but I was, I was getting like the, I got the shit out of the stick when we, we drew lots for like manager responsibilities. Uh-huh. Cool. You have to like take all the resumes and like talk to people for like maybe five minutes and see like who might be worth, worth talking to. Um, and I was like, oh, this is great. I'm totally going to get a chance to like build my team at the restaurant. Yeah. All of a sudden I was like given this huge amount of like ownership and what was going to be happening. Uh-huh. And, uh, I just, I didn't realize that a, uh, restaurant people are a real, uh, unique breed, especially people who have been in a restaurant for a long time. Uh-huh. Um, and you want that experience, right? right? You absolutely want that experience because that, that experience is invaluable. And, and there's a lot of like weird, very specific things about working in a restaurant all the time. And you, you want to know that people are okay with that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then at the same time, you, because they're such unique creatures, <laughs> the 
won't want to work in restaurants for a long time. You also want to balance that out with some people who are maybe not super restauranty, but I don't know, maybe they have a love for food or or they have a love for art and it somehow translates into the restaurant or, you know, uh, I don't know, people are in the radio and they love talking to people or, mm. you know, some other kind of passion that, that complements or even sometimes contrasts. And they're like, I just feel really good when I'm here because this is totally different from what I do in my everyday. And this, this is what gives me balance. So finding people like that, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of like long, I'd say life or restaurant people that kind of fall into that category already. Like they, they work in a restaurant to balance out whatever other thing that they do. Um, but, uh, I think staff, staffing in general is, is, is just hard cause you're, you need these seemingly extroverted people. Some of them definitely are. Some of them aren't that are going to be in your restaurant. You're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Um, especially if you want to run a tight ship, I feel like you want to have a good restaurant. You need people who are working at least four shifts a week. Mm-hmm. Depending, you know, five, depending on your restaurant, your hours could burn people out. But like people who work like one or two days a week, I, I just, I don't feel like they have, uh, it's not a commitment issue. It's like, they're not stakeholders. They're not there all the time. There's, you know, when you know that you could be in the restaurant the next time someone comes in after having a difficult experience or a slow lunch or what, whatever. Um, you've got something at stake there. And uh, when you see the restaurant as the place where you, you're able to make your money, you see the life and well-being of the restaurant is uniquely tied to your potential to earn, which, which might sound, you know, some people think that sounds kind of greedy. Um, but I, th- I think it, I think it's just about having a stake in, in the place that you work at. And for some people that translates easily to, you know, how much do I make? Yeah. Um, other people maybe want the restaurant they work at to be successful. Like I work at a great restaurant. Everybody knows it's great. People talk about how it's great. People come here on days when they're not on shift at their restaurant to eat and to drink. I want to work at that restaurant. Like, you know, those people have a stake in, in what happens to the restaurant too. So I, f- I feel like, you know, you want people who are willing to spend a good chunk of their week at your restaurant. So you've got this, this kind of like uh, crucible of, yeah. of things happening. People who are spending a lot of time together. Um, you've, you've got the face that you project to the table, which has to be polished and practiced and, and, and regimented, you know, it, it is a theater that we do. And then, then you have like, the attitude you ha- you walked in that day to the restaurant, or you have the issues that you have with your coworkers. So, so managing all that, keep keeping everybody playing nice, making sure you're hearing to hearing people's professional problems. Like, oh, I have I have this issue and I need you to deal with it, and being able to all, also differentiate between like, hey, well, that's actually a personal problem, and you need to check that at the door. Though I hear you and I'd love to talk about it with you after work, maybe we can grab a beer or whatever. Um, I, I feel like it's it's a real balancing act of of both being like a, you wanna be like a confidant and at the same time people have to know that you have their best interest in mind but also the best interest of the restaurant and, and people have to understand that there's like a hierarchy to that. Uh, so I think managing managing people 
is about folding all of that into making sure that plates get out of the kitchen on time and that cocktails don't take 15 minutes to get to tables, mm-hmm. um, which is which is kind of a lot. So, so yeah, so when you find a staff that's really good and you're happy about it, and then you have to make peace with the fact that, hey, cool, so this will last like at most eight months, a year and a half. I mean, some restaurants are great. Some restaurants will have like a staff for like three, four years, and then there'll be like a big turnover, uh-huh. right? And, and it's about you kind of rebuilding whatever that next phase of, of the restaurant personality has to be. But um, absolutely, I, I, feel like you're, I feel like it's a game of Jenga, <laughs> really, like staffing a restaurant. It's not just the scheduling, but it's like all the personalities and, and uh, you know, whether people can take the, the fast-pacedness and, and kind of it's, it's, it's emotionally taxing to be in a restaurant all the time and to be serving people, so... I think that um, you have to end up dealing with the backlash of that with your employees. Mm. Did you ever have trouble between uh, more senior staff and then younger staff, or like people that were like were restaurant people and then maybe people that identified as something else and um, invested differently in it? Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting because I feel like the the one time I really noticed that happening there was there was someone who was very much kind of like old guard restaurant, but they also had like another job and another part of their life where that didn't really intersect with the restaurant at all. Um, and they, they, I feel it's like when ownership goes awry, Uh like when you, you want your employees to take ownership of how well the restaurant is doing and what's happening on the floor. But like when I hear servers or or senior staff, whether it's you know back of house, or whatever, you know, this is my restaurant. This is how we do it here. This like that kind of rhetoric is it's, I think it's it's damaging. It's not inclusive. Yeah. And um, and ultimately, actually, I think it it stunts the potential growth of your restaurant because ultimately, like restaurant restaurants grow because of the people that are in them, you know, um, or who run them really amazing restaurants have amazing management staff and they can, they continuously find the right people to fit into the right position to make the restaurant continue to evolve. Right. It's like, uh, I feel like there's definitely, how, how do you want to manage? Do you want to manage top down or like bottom up? You know, do you populate your restaurant with the kind of people that you want because uh, you're handpicking everybody, or do you try and learn from your staff and let that kind of maybe direct the evolution of your restaurant? I mean, it's it's a little bit touchy feely California hippy dippy thinking, but um, I don't know. I I, I think uh, I've seen restaurants that work brilliantly doing both, you know, and uh, I've definitely been part of restaurants that were you know learn learn from the staff and you know the staff wasn't perfect but uh but they kind of brought a different way of of looking at it. They, they weren't let's say they weren't really old guard industry um but they had a lot to stay i mean i think there's a lot i mean we we see what's happening with restaurants and the rampant sexual harassment or just harassment in general that happens uh in restaurants and people are finally seeing that in their newspaper columns and 
you know, that's I think that's a product of, of those uh, moments where someone's like, this is my restaurant and this is how we do it here and I don't give a fuck about what you... Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen that seen that happen, you know? Did you have to hit, deal with that happening? The har- harassment between people you were managing? Between... <sighs> yeah, I, 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 I do remember one time there was a... There's an older uh, front house person um, who had a lot of experience, probably at some point had a restaurant of their own, um, but didn't now and uh, was working in you know various restaurants in San Francisco. Um, and uh, someone who didn't really have a lot of experience but was really trying. Um, D- despite all that trying was was probably actually not succeeding at the at the level that the restaurant needed right. um, and uh, that that older uh, staff member kind of took it upon themselves to I don't know try and manage that or just or just kind of exact kind of punishment whenever they could in, you know, petty ways, making their job more difficult. And I was just like, you're, you're trying to sink your own ship right here. Like, if you make it more difficult for somebody else who's already having a hard time on the floor, you're not helping yourself. You're definitely not helping me. It would be much better if you actually told me what the problem was so that we could step in and, and, and talk about it and see if we could get this person the, the training that they needed or were missing or, or, or get them uh, to, to, you know, in a, maybe in a different position in the restaurant that would have been better. That, that was tough. Uh, I think I think we were probably a little slow to act on that. I think I think we didn't really realize how much of an issue it was until someone was very frustrated, mm-hmm. and and made that known probably at an inopportune time in the middle of service. So, um, yeah. I mean, I've had other times where you just you keep people in their corners. You don't let them work on the same shifts. You put them at the opposite ends of the dining room. Um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, uh, employee protections are such that you really need to be careful about, you know, what's going on here. Is somebody making work a hostile environment? If that's the case, well, then that's, that's a reason to let someone go. But if that's not the case and people have difficulty with each other, how do you, how do you remedy that? You know, um, what is it when you don't want to have a, a lawyer split up all your things and you're getting a divorce? Yeah. <laughs> what is what is that you call in a an arbitrator or whatever? Yeah. Arbitrage. Yeah. Uh, there's not always uh, the opportunity for arbitrage <laughs> in a restaurant. Um, I'm not saying it's the more most uh, progressive way to deal with the problem, but sometimes you just kind of keep people apart. Mm. You know. So uh, in this particular case. Um, it worked out well after you talked to the, the guy. Uh, you know the, the the ultimately the problem was that the the person we had hired who was who was unfortunately at the uh, <laughs> at the receiving end of this older staff person um, didn't really have the skill set that they needed to have, and despite further training and whatnot, it just ended up not working out. And so, um, not, not that that older staff member was right to do what they did. I mean, they were, uh, they were reprimanded, but, um, they weren't let go. 
and ultimately the person who didn't really quite have the skill set necessary, uh, we, we told them, you know, this is the job we hired you to do, and unfortunately, you can't really do it at the level we need you to do it. So, you know, we appreciate all the effort that you've done, and we hope that you are able to find work either at another restaurant or something else that you really enjoy doing. So, yeah, that was that was tough. I wouldn't say it worked out. That was that was that was kind of unpleasant for everyone. Um, I think, I think it was more unpleasant for management because, uh, and unfortunately, in that situation, I was one manager of a team. So, mm-hmm. in that situation, you really need a consensus among the uh, a consensus among management to really do something about it. And if 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 management can't agree, what happens is things just kind of stall. Yeah. And and the problem is stagnant, which is terrible for a restaurant. Absolutely, absolutely terrible. You know, keep moving, move or die. <laughs> like that's the that's the rule in a restaurant. Yeah, because I think the I think the customers can really see right through that if the if the staff are unhappy with each other. It's like it's pretty obvious. Oh, 100 percent. It's I mean, you know, you don't want you don't want to put that in everybody's cocktail and on a plate of food. <laughs> you know. So I guess it's a matter of of always paying attention to what's going on and, and stopping these things before they happen. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the same thing with the tables, right? We're talking about hitting DEFCON 5. Like, hopefully hopefully you're paying attention to what's happening to a table before things get out of hand. I, I think I think the emotional awareness that people have to have on a restaurant floor of, like, really seeing what's happening uh-huh. is, is really important, you know? For a manager, they have to, in terms of, like, keeping your staff happy, adding new staff, to your team, you really have to pay attention to how how people are by themselves, how people are with each other. Um, yeah, you and and you have to be not. Af- I mean, I think as a young as a young restaurant person, I was probably afraid to act on a few times, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's always a problem. I think that's something that young restaurant people can learn from industry veterans. And the problem is we don't have that many of them, mm-hmm. so. You know, I didn't have a lot of people above me who I really looked up to and was like, hey, how do I deal with this problem? Well, I've seen that happen a bunch of times, and I'll tell you all the times it didn't work. I did this, this, and this. So let's not do any of those things. Let's try <laughs> these other things. You know, I, I, I didn't have that. Yeah. Um, That's what we're trying to do with this show, actually. It's a, imagine <laughs> that. these stories out there. Yeah, some, um, some institutional knowledge to, to get out to people. I think, I think that's legit. I think that's something, you know, because people work in restaurants – I, because because often people find restaurants at a certain point in their life and then they find their way out of it, it's it's easy for you to gain all this experience and knowledge and have all these great stories and and maybe be able to pass some of it on to other people and then you you leave and it's like a footnote on on your on your resume you know right. um, and you don't really you don't unfortunately it's hard to to kind of give back um, to pass on to the community. Uh, I mean, that happens for a lot of people. I, I think because a lot of times it's it's made exceptionally hard for people at the beginning of their career in a restaurant, there's like all this trauma that people have to kind of put behind them. And so when they're finally out of the trenches, they're like, fuck this, man. I'm not going to deal with any of that down there. That's you guys' problem. We just hired this like middle manager. He doesn't know a lot, but we're going to let him take care of you guys. So good luck with that. If anybody's about to throw a knife or anything in the restaurant, just give us a call. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> just, right. So how do you uh, how do you handle that that omnipotence, like having to pay attention to everything at once? So what is that like functionally? 
uh, it's not omnipotence. It's 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 ADD. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I. You know what do they? Uh, what do they say? Like a you know a, a computer processor can only like do one thing at a time, and like a, a GPU can do a bunch of things at the same uh-huh. time. You know, uh-huh. it's like you have either one big lawnmower or you have like a billion little lawnmowers clipping all of the. Uh, you know, I, I think you're constantly shifting your attention from one thing to the next. And uh, I think it, it's since it's not omnipotence and since you are just a person and you've got your own bullshit that you walk into work yeah. with every day and your own stuff. And I think part of, you know, it's weird. I think being a manager, you kind of have to be a little bit distant, but you do need to be close enough to people that they feel like they can trust you and that you have their best interest in mind. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that managers necessarily need to kind of air out all their dirty laundry after a shift. Like maybe everybody's going to go grab a drink. That's great. You can go grab a drink with them. But I think, I think there's a certain amount of, of, of kind of distance that's uh, appropriate. So that, um, so when you are kind of monitoring all that stuff, hopefully you've had enough experience, or maybe someone helped you out and kind of taught you the ropes. But when you're skipping from one thing to the next, right, trying to keep an eye on everything. When you see something that maybe doesn't quite register as like a full problem, but like gets your restaurant spidey sense tingling, you you kind of come back to it immediately and like, wait a second, is this something that I actually need to pay attention to right now? Are these people not getting along? Is this server kind of like in total downward spiral burnout mode? Does it have to do with what's happening at the restaurant? Does it have to do with what's happening outside of the restaurant? Is their life imploding, you know? It's, it's difficult because, you know, uh, I think restaurants, I think in restaurants and, and managers who maybe feel like they know what's up probably will admit to other people that, yeah, you know, I'm not supposed to be concerned about what happens outside of this restaurant, but because of what we do, because it's such a personal thing that we do, I have to at least know. I have to have an inkling of what's going on. Uh-huh. You know, uh, I've absolutely, I've, I've totally sent people home off their ship. And I was like, you are off your game. This isn't a punishment. I just have to look out for the restaurant and I have to look out for you. So before, before you do something that's damaging to the restaurant and our clientele, which is going to reflect badly on you, I'm going to ask you to put down the tray, take off your apron and go home. You'll get the tips that you made so far. I don't know. Every restaurant's different. Maybe I'll pay you for the rest of the night. Depends on on the policy or whatever. Yeah, but um, no hard feelings. Or no, no hard feelings. Like we'll talk about this later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've absolutely done that because of of what you know is happening in someone else's life. When when you see them not be able to hold it together. Yeah. I've also had people who, you know, after months of dealing with something really problematic, you know, they're like, I just got to get out of here tonight. I'm I'm done with that last table. I got to go. And you know. Like yeah, absolutely. Let me let me get you out of here quick. What's going on? Is you know, is it anything you feel comfortable talking about? You know, I'm happy to listen. I'm not I'm not sure if that's something you want or not. And they tell you they're they're going through something really difficult, and you never knew. Yeah. So how do you manage your own sanity when you're managing everyone else's sanity? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I don't know. <laughs> this seems uh, like the manager always has to be. The, you know, if you if you're a if you're a server or a bartender or something, it's a lot, a lot of times you know you clock out and you don't have to think about it until your next shift. 
to an extent. But the manager seems like you know you're always going to be the one that gets the call. You're always going to be yeah have to be the guy that's yeah there if someone and, calls out because they've got a problem yeah it's or, on you. It's like everything's on you. How do you how do you deal with that? Uh, I think you have to have um a really good sense of purpose. I, th- I think it's interesting that that uh, right now we have you know the the management is like a it's a job. Mm-hmm. You know I like I like the idea of the the old uh, model of restaurants, the owner operator model, where the owners. He's at the restaurant every day, and maybe he's not working the floor the whole night, but you see him from like 7.15 to like 8.45 every night. He's, he's right there in the thick of it, making sure to say hello to all the VIPs or all the special tables. I kind of, I really like the idea of, of, of someone who does that um, because, I don't know, I feel, I feel like you're, you're kind of there and you have, you have ownership yeah, I think I think that the big thing is like having ownership and knowing what your stake is, mm-hmm. and so I think the difficult thing with having managers that are not the owner is like, well, how do you how do you know how do you take ownership over the restaurant when you're getting paid a salary and you're probably not getting paid what you deserve? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Restaurants are notorious for underpaying managers. What's the you know the joke is that you know everybody who walks out of the out of the restaurant after waiting tables probably walked out with you know double the amount of money that you made that night. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, you have, I think you have to really know why you're doing it. You do it because you love this restaurant. You do it because you love this food. You do it because it's the right place for you to work right now. Um, I think, or you do it because you just, I don't know. I've worked at restaurants where I just love the customers. And maybe my coworkers were okay. <laughs> you know, not bad. You know, a couple of good people. Uh, but you just you really like the neighborhood or something like that. I, I think keeping your sanity is ultimately about knowing what it is that you're doing when you're at work and why you do it, and then making sure that when you're not at work, you're not at work. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to stay up super late, grab drinks with your friends at other restaurants, lose out on sleep. You know, I think I think the people who are really good at at being in restaurants are, are kind of militant about what they do with their time off. You know, they're militant about how much they drink during the week or, you know, on any given day, like, Hey, if I'm working on the night and I'm working the next day, I don't, I don't, I don't go out. I don't care if I don't have to show up until four o'clock. I just, I don't go out. I go home, make sure I have a cup of tea and, you know, get some real sleep, wake up, have a proper breakfast. You know, I think all that stuff is, is something that people don't talk about all that much or people kind of laugh it off because it's like a a restaurant's kind of a young person's game right Mm -hmm. seems that way it seems that way right and and like young people have no problem burning (laughs) the the (laughs) candle at both ends you know we got more energy they got exactly um but like but then are those the same people who are going to be in a restaurant 25 years from now i mean you've got folks like uh jonathan waters who has been working at uh, Chez Panisse for I don't know how many how many years 20 years 25 it, that guy's been there forever he's worked every job in that restaurant yeah. uh, you know he, he I, I'd love to know how he keeps his balance especially with a place that's so iconic and is is you know wrapped around the personality of uh, or who's who's the restaurant's personality is so intrinsically tied to the owner you know yeah uh, was there anything specific that you did that you found helped you maybe something surprising that you did friends outside of the industry actually 
Yeah, I, before I before I was uh, in restaurants, I was pretty much on an academic track yeah. and studied a bunch of oddly esoteric things that most people have no business studying. And uh, I got to say, meeting with my friends who continued on that academic track and, and talking with people who, who didn't work in restaurants was was really great because it meant I got to see what their life was like and see how, how what we did was kind of similar, but also really appreciate that, you know, I had a, I, these people live their life in a very different way than I do, and uh, that's great and good, and it's good for me to have a little time with them so it rubs off on me. That was, yeah, really important. Friends out, out of the industry so that you're not living restaurants and bars every single second of your week, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, James. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, uh, yeah, Justin, I it was uh, it was great to uh, to rehash a bunch of uh, old stories. Thanks, man. Cheers. That was James Butler on the challenges of management. I really appreciated his advice about listening, really listening to your customers and staff. Also about stopping major problems before they come up and how that requires a high level of attention to everything going on. His advice about maintaining balance in your life by having friends outside of the industry is just excellent for anyone, not just people in management. James now runs a wine consultancy called Cluster and Kane for wine program development and high-touch wine tourism in Northern California. You can find out more at your86.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E 86.com. And check out the post for this interview. While you're there, hop on our mailing list to stay up to date with everything going on at your86. I send a newsletter out about once a month with all kinds of cool stuff in it. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.